Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Small Cap Discoveries conference call. Today on our call, we have back the CEO, Ali Tajskander from Wishpond Technologies. Wish, Wishpond trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol WISH and on the OTC under WPNDF. The company is currently trading at $1.27 with roughly 52 million shares outstanding or about a $66 million market cap. I'd now like to hand it over to Paul Andriola. Hey, thanks a lot, Trevor. Um, great to have Ali back. Um, Ali, it was about 11 months ago we last spoke to you. So clearly a lot has happened since then. Um, congratulations on certainly on this last quarter, 90% uh, revenue growth. Um, so we'll, we'll dive into that at some point here shortly. But before we do, um, maybe just remind everybody uh, what Wishpond Technologies does. Well, thank you very much, Paul, and thanks for having me back. I'm very excited to uh, speak to your audience about Wishpond. So what Wishpond does is an all-in-one marketing platform for primarily small businesses. And what I mean by that is it's really their platform that is built to help them grow their businesses online. So anything from building their website to running promotional campaigns, running email marketing campaigns, sales campaigns, um, different you know, analytics, um, SMS marketing, all of those in one single platform so that they have best chance of success. Um, okay, so let's dive into it. So 90% revenue growth, clearly you guys are onto something here. Um, what, what's, what's transpired in the last 11 months? Why, why are you guys growing so fast? Um, so a lot of things have happened actually over the past year. Uh, we went public you know, December of 2020 and uh, last year was the first year of us being a public company. And we invested a lot in our growth uh, in terms of organic growth with sales expansion, as well as product uh, team that we expanded it, as well as acquisitions. So over the past year, we made four acquisitions uh, that uh, we can talk about a little bit uh, later as well that we are very proud of and, and they've helped quite a bit. And also we doubled the size of our sales team. So the year before we had 12 account executives, last year we grew that to about 24, 25 uh, account executives, which basically meant that we were able to more or less, uh, we expect the year to be around 80% year over year growth. Half of that coming from organic sales expansion, and about half of that coming from the acquisitions that we made. So we're still maintaining that 35, 40, 45% organic growth per year and now adding the acquisitions to it as well. And the other thing that is also very exciting for us is um, we have a history of being profitable two years prior to going public. And then the first two quarters of 2021, we went into the negative uh, as we were expanding the sales team, as we were investing in the product team, and we were also setting up infrastructure and personal and everything else to be able to handle being a public company, handle multiple business units that we acquire and um, set everything up in, uh, and, and put them in place. And because of that, the first two quarters of last year, we were slightly in the negative. And then the second half of the year, as we had mentioned in the you know, third quarter, we were back into adjusted EBITDA profitable levels. And we expect that to be the, the trend going forward, continuing to be um, adjusted EBITDA profitable while growing aggressively. Uh, clearly, you've made a significant investment in, in sort of salespeople or the sales program. Is that something that you... Um, 
like, have you sort of spent the big spend or do you expect to continue to, to grow your sales staff and, and uh, just trying to get a sense of is, is the spend as a percentage of the overall business going to decline? Is it going to stay stable? What, how can we look at it? So you, you, have, you need to look at it in a number of ways. One is that this year we plan to double the size of sales team again. So from 24 to 48, you know, that, that kind of number or 45, 46, that kind of number. Mm-hmm. And um, that is important because we want to continue pushing the envelope in terms of organic growth for Wishbone and the business units that we've acquired. Um, and then, but, but I think what is important also is that we plan to do that while still maintaining adjusted EBITDA profitable levels. We don't, uh, we don't plan to go in the negative, at least in, not in any uh, long-term ways um, and, and not in any significant ways. We plan to more or less balance that or be under profitable and anything in addition to that invest in the growth of the company. Perfect. Um, so why, why don't we jump into some of the acquisitions you've made? Um, clearly, it's a, it's a big part of your strategy. Uh, tell, us, tell us what you've done so far and kind of what the future looks like for, for potential acquisitions. Yeah, we made four acquisitions last year, more or less, let's say one per quarter. Um, one is Invigo, which is a medical uh, and healthcare providers marketing platform. Second one that we did is Persis IQ. Uh, that is for sales automation, basically helping B2B companies with their email campaigns and sales campaigns. And the third one, Brax, which is a unified ads management platform. And the fourth one, the most recent one, Winback, which is an automated SMS marketing platform. All of them helping fill certain gaps with our uh, platform, but you know, are also setting the stage for growth um, in, in, the, in the coming quarters. What is I think perhaps most important is the way we look at acquisitions and the criteria that we have and you know, uh, how we pay for them. There are a number of things. One is that we're basically looking for companies that are substantially or all recurring revenue, MRR-based kind of revenue. We're com- looking for companies that have high margins. You know, we're still maintaining that 65 70% margin with the acquisition and they have similar profiles to ours. We're looking for companies that are profitable um, three of the four acquisitions have 20% EBITDA profits and one of them 15% EBITDA profit, all of them profitable so far. Um, or, or if you make an acquisition that is not profitable, it has to be something that very quickly we can turn it into profitable. But so far, they've all been profitable to begin with. And we also want acquisitions that are accretive to our investors. So we don't want to overpay um, and we want to have a margin of safety. So even though they're strategic and they are helping us and they're uh, rounding the corners into the product offering, but financially on their own, they should also make sense as individual investment opportunities that, uh, that we can sleep easy at night. Um, so, so those are some of the really important elements. And I think the last one, perhaps one of the most important elements also is that, is this a sort of company that we feel we have enough expertise and enough ammunition and you know manpower or woman power to be able to grow them substantially um, more than they have grown in the past so as an example uh, is this a company that can benefit from our shared services and we can put our own sales channel and grow their revenue this is a company that can take advantage of our marketing uh, services this is a company that 
with the clients that we already have, they can immediately sell into that pool of clients that we have and, and grow as a result of that. Um, so a lot of those elements are quite important for us uh, so that we're not just getting them and stay, staying still, but getting them and help, you know, and having them help us um, and have a multiplier effect in terms of how fast we can grow. Ali, how, how do you typically acquire these companies? What, what do you look for? Is it uh, an opportunity to buy it with cash, stock, combination? What's the typical acquisition look like? Uh, each deal is slightly different, but we look at it as a, in terms of deal structure as a combination of three elements. Uh, one element is cash, one element is stock, and another one is earnout. So earnout would be helpful in terms of uh, aligning interests with the former owners and, and founders and making sure that as growth happens, uh, everyone can contribute to that and everyone can benefit from that. And the cash stock component is so that our cash can go further. Now, as I said, each deal is different uh, because you might see that, oh, the, 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 our stock price is undervalued right now. We don't want to use our stock that much. We think it would be too dilutive and we would use more cash. Or there could be another time that we feel like stock price is such that it does make sense for us. Or given the opportunities that we have coming, we want to preserve some of the cash. So it really changes. But the default place, the default template that we start from is one third, one third, one third, cash, mm -hmm. stock, earnout. And then we go from there. And the multiples that we paid so far has been anywhere from one and something times, uh, you know, let's say one time multiple of top line uh, revenue to close to three time multiple. Um, so we keep a very close eye on that as well to make sure that it makes sense. Internal rate of return makes sense. Return on cash makes sense. And a strategic value makes sense. And we can grow it. And it's profitable. Yeah. And, and what, what does the pipeline look like? Are you actively out there right now looking at other deals? And is it is it a robust pipeline? Are they yeah. scarce? Yeah. 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 It's, it's very robust. Um, oh. I'll, I'll mention, I guess, how we look at acquisitions in terms of... Um, how we source them. Last year, we looked at about uh, 400 M&A opportunities wow. to make the four acquisitions. So it's a very active pipeline and, and we look at it the same way our sales team uh, looks at it. There's, there's a specific individual, our head of corporate development that is always sourcing different opportunities. There's uh, you know, some elements of inbound, some elements of outbound outreach. And then we set up the management meetings and you know do the information requests and you know all the rest until we find those few gems that we're really comfortable with and, and we feel they can really add a lot of value to the company and to our clients and future growth. Uh, coming into this year, we're continuing the same trend and the same uh, pipeline, except it's even stronger than before because some of the ones that we started last year are still in the pipeline and you know they're uh, coming to um some kind of uh conclusion we have several very hot opportunities right now that we're looking at and and um we expect this year is going to be um great and a continuation of what we did last week last year in terms of uh acquisitions mm -hmm. and um what, what's how do you how do you describe your capacity or capability right now to to do deals um i think at last i saw you've got over seven million dollars in cash right now um, what, what does the balance sheet look like? What does your capacity look like? Yeah, more or less, let's say $7 million of cash and um, $6 million of line of credit available. Um, so there's, there's a lot that we can do there, you know, and because 
we're not bleeding a lot of money for our own mm -hmm. operations. That means that the money that we have can actually go into sourcing deals and you know investing in the deals. And if you think about uh, seven million cash and six million less a line of credit, and also there's more cash coming from clients as well. That alone, uh, the balance sheet would be about $13 million of cash. And if you do one third, one third, one third deal, then that means basically that $13 million can get you $39 million worth of acquisitions. Now, obviously we wouldn't wanna use all of it. We wanna have enough uh, buffer, uh, you know, enough uh, wiggle room there. And some of the deals are not gonna be one third cash, but um, th there's a lot of ammunition that we can still execute on. And, and you know, uh, when the stock price uh, better reflects what we think is a true value of the stock, then we might go to the market and raise more, but not at the current uh, prices. Now, you, you, your marketing platform, uh, marketing technology, maybe give us a sense of some of your key products. Like what, what do you do and how does it affect your customers? So there are some similarities between Wishbone and HubSpot for those who are uh, more familiar with HubSpot. But Think about it in terms of a normal business who uses Wishbone. Um, they use it for a number of they use it a number of ways. Some use the platform self serve and they just run it themselves. And um, you know maybe they're a little bit more marketing savvy or they want to you know use the technology themselves and that's great. There are also a category of clients who want our help and then we have account managers that we can assign to them so that they give them access to our pool of resources in terms of design, ad copy, you know, um, all of the SEO, all of those things, so that the clients have the best chance of achieving success with the platform. Um, but now to get a little bit more concrete about what you get using Wishbone, um, you can use Wishbone for your landing page builder or your website builder. So you can use, you know, we have a drag and drop editor that if you know how to use, let's say PowerPoint, you can also build the website and build landing pages with Wishbone. It's one of the best ones in the market. And you can also, if you run ads, you can use uh, that. Then we also have a suite of uh, promotional campaign products. So running contests and giveaways and social media referral campaigns and um, you know, uh, leaderboards and bonus entry, all of those things so that you can actually create a buzz and bring uh, audience to yourself. We have different lead uh, generation tools such as pop-ups and forms that you can put on your own website as well and call to actions. Then we also have email marketing platform for, you know, similar to MailChimp for sending newsletters or um, for sending triggered email campaigns and, and, and what have you. Um, then we have uh, lead segmentation and lead tracking. So if I go to wishbone.com and wishbone.com obviously is using the wishbone product, uh, you can see Ali came back to the website, checked out this, uh, these pages. He started watching a video on this page and then paused halfway through it. And then he entered this form. We sent him two emails. He opened the first one, but not the second one and clicked on this link. And here's everything we know about Ali in terms of what he's done, his purchase history, as well as where he comes from, uh, you know, all of those things. And then based on those, you can actually set up automation campaigns to better target me, provide better value and, and have better conversion. And then there's sales automation campaigns. There's the SMS marketing ad management. It, it, it's, it's a, you know, it's a long list, mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's very robust and very comprehensive. Fantastic. 
Um, uh, a couple of things I noticed, uh, new CFO, um, am I correct? Yeah. Um, yes. What can you tell us about sort of your, your um, I guess your current management team, but it, what, what are their sort of people resources? What else do you need to keep building this business? Um, so we, with our CFO, the previous CFO, we were actually quite happy with, and he was someone who helped us with going public and helped us with the first four acquisitions that we've made and, and set up a lot of processes uh, that prepare us for growth uh, coming you know, into the next years um, of the business. But at some point, he had other entrepreneurial journeys that he wanted to take and you know, uh, working on that. And when we had that conversation, then we started looking for different um, individuals. And when we had conversation with David Pace, our new CFO, um, I was immediately very excited and happy because I could see strategically we aligned really well and he had the, the right mind for it. But also in terms of his background, he was, you know, he has been a CFO of different tech companies for 20 years. He was a senior VP corporate development um, at Ernst & Young before, so M&A opportunities and executing on them. He has a lot of experience with that there as well as afterwards. Uh, he has IR experience. Um, and basically, it was an opportunity to bring someone with more experience that now prepares us for the next stages of growth and, and, and putting things in place so that things can become more seamless. I think we have a very solid team right now. I, I don't anticipate any major changes in terms of executive mm -hmm. team or anything like that. Um, there might be you know, uh, additions to the board from time to time to um, uh, add you know, uh, more firepower on that mm -hmm. end. And it's already a very strong one. Uh, but I, I think, I think uh, coming this year, we're gonna execute the same strategy we executed last year. And um, it's working quite well. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, new CFO, um, you've uh, you've increased your salespeople. You've made a couple acquisitions. What other what other new initiatives or even products um, can can investors look forward to in the next uh, sort of in this year? We're, I, I think um, there are a number of things. You know, for example. Uh, I talked about website builder. Uh, we have our website builder is more of an individual pages kind of builder, but we want to make it more robust so that more and more of the clients actually rely on it for running their website fully on it. And right now is a smaller percentage. That to us is quite important and it's something that we're working on. There are different components of the platform that we're making deeper and there are certain components that we don't have that we're gonna add. Uh, the product team is another one that we're investing in and, and, and growing it this year. But also, I think another one that is also important, we've already started integrating the different companies that we've acquired into the same technology platform so that they wouldn't be purely in their own silos. But you would have single sign-on capability and you can easily move between them. And uh, there's more natural integration and, and uh, you know, those points of contact between them. And that's going to be another area that we're going to focus on this year. Um, and just generally, how, how can an investor sort of look at your business for 2022? What, uh, what, what's the outlook for the, for the company and the business? We don't give guidance, mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. but the three analysts that are covering us. Uh, okay. So let me backtrack last year's revenue. They expected to be about 14 and a half million dollars, 80% growth compared to the year before. This year, 
they're putting the their estimate at around 21 and a half million around that for this year so already substantial growth but their their assumptions are based on organic growth actually uh m a is harder for them to anticipate what kind of deals we're gonna do so they don't they, they don't think about that until it's actually done so you can think about it you know organically probably 21 million and then you know add a few more acquisitions and um, um you know it, it adds up. Uh, I'm not going to mention an exact number, but you can do the math yourself. And um, I guess historically, what what's been your gross margins? Uh, how, how do we look at some of the metrics uh, to your financials? I, I imagine as you grow, you take on other acquisitions. That's going to be all over the place. But historically, what's a number you feel comfortable sort of saying uh, as far as a gross margin? Um, we are operating between that 65, 70% margin mm -hmm. and the acquisitions that we're looking at, we're trying to be around that or higher. Uh, we're very, um, conscious about not making an acquisition that would lower that profile. Um, uh, that that's quite important for us. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Um, and then I, I guess apart from, you know, the increased sales staff, um, do you see any other increase in any specific expenses? I mean, your, your GNA should, I'm imagining outside of your sales, your, you know, should stay relatively flatlined. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, more or less. I mean, as a percentage, it might grow because, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you add substantially more clients than certain mm -hmm. elements in terms of serving those clients also increase. But the fixed expenses, for most part, are going to be uh, fixed. We don't we don't expect a lot, and, and that's why when you look at the analyst forecast for next year, they expect at least a million um, or one point one million uh, adjusted EBITDA as well, uh, the mm -hmm. positive side, because they can see, um, you know, we're not the the fixed costs are more or less going to stay constant, mm -hmm. and and um, now we're going to have more and more revenue on the top line that is going to lead to the bottom line mm -hmm. okay perfect um okay so we, we always kind of ask this question and um the what what are sort of the key metrics or catalysts that we should watch out for sort of over the course of the next year so that investors can sort of validate that you guys are continuing to build on your business and i understand you're going to do some acquisitions it's always hard to time Revenues are clearly easy to, to see if they're going up, but is there anything else we should sort of keep our eye on to see that you guys are going the right direction? I think more than anything else is really revenue growth, right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, when we went public, we were quite unknown uh, to some extent, to a large extent, we still are unknown, but I think more and more of the investors that are uh, following us um, are establishing trust with us that we're doing what we said we would do. And the revenue is growing as we said it would, um, and and the customer growth is happening, and the acquisition is happening the way uh, we did. Obviously, you can't, you know, expect that you would never have any turbulence, but we're we're doing what we had said. Uh, so now coming into this year, in terms of catalysts, um, our Q1, Q4 financials, and annual financial for 2021 are going to be released sometime in the, in the next. Uh, two, three months. Um, and then, you know, that itself is a catalyst and then followed by the Q1 financials. There are acquisitions that we're going to make. And yeah, you're right. You can't time it, but I, I think that's part of the fun as well. 
mm -hmm. you can never really find the exact time to come in. And, and if you believe in the company, you shouldn't try to time it. You should just, uh, you know, you, uh, you want you want to be part of this company mm -hmm. and you believe in what the company is doing, then, then come in whenever you can. Mm -hmm. um, and there are more product announcements that are going to come out. There are partnership, uh, you know, a lot of really interesting partnerships we're working on that we would announce. And, and I think what is very interesting about this market is that there are millions of small businesses in the world. And we serve more than 3,000 SMB clients. It's, we're really scratching the surface. There's a lot of them. We have a profitable and a scalable way of reaching these small business clients. We have, a, we have the breadth and the depth of product offering and service offering to be able to help them and serve them. Um, and, and, and I believe that we, we give them a very good chance of becoming successful in achieving their growth uh, objectives for our clients. Um, so that that to me is exciting that this is a this is a market and an opportunity that is only gonna grow and become a lot larger and and um, that's the reason that we decided to go public as opposed to exiting or something because we feel and I uh, truly feel that uh, this is a company that's going to be substantially larger in you know in a relatively foreseeable future um, and doing what is really worthwhile in terms of enabling mm -hmm. small businesses. Mm -hmm. And, and Ali, what, you know, you're still a relatively, like you said, unknown, um, you know, publicly traded company, you're, you're a micro cap, I guess, and some, some would say nano cap, what, what do you see as your biggest challenge, you know, you're the CEO of the company, what's your biggest challenge you're facing right in this business right now? Um, what is the biggest challenge? I think, um, a number of things, right? Uh, I think one of the biggest challenges that challenges is that when you're growing fast, it's kind of like a rocket ship that is exciting and all that. But at the same time, you need to actually grab on for dear life and make sure that there's no deviation because even small mm -hmm. deviations can really quickly get you off the rails. Um, and we, we try our best to make sure that we have a good handle on all of those elements in terms of growth, in terms of putting the right people in the right uh uh, jobs to help in terms of customer acquisition. Um, attracting and retaining good talent is always a challenge, especially in this market that uh, definitely is, is an employee's market. Um, so, you know, that, that's going to be uh, a, a challenge as well. Um, I, I think also over the past year, um, you know, we had in the micro cap or, or uh, you know, a small cap uh, or even nano cap, you saw that there was a lot of shift in terms of where the investors were putting their money into some larger companies. And now there's another rotation happening again as well. Um, and, you know, because of that, I think one of the challenges to some extension of the stock was that the stock was undervalued and still I feel, I feel it is. Now that's on that side of it, but at the same time, the company is continuing to grow. Uh, you know, we grew by 80% year over year. Uh, and the stock price is uh, it's a matter of time before uh, I believe uh, would reflect the true worth of the company as well. So I think to some extent, the way we look at it is that there's a threshold as well that, you know, 14 and a half million, let's say last year, when we get to 25, you know, that kind of uh, uh, revenue run rate, you almost get into a new territory and you're looked at by a broader uh, set of investors. 
uh, and the multiples also increase as a result of that. So mm -hmm. our, our focus is let's continue executing on what we've done um, and, and we get there and, you know, everyone will be happy. Mm -hmm. You know, let, let's touch on that. We, we rarely get an opportunity to really talk to, you know, microcaps that have any analyst coverage. Um, you've got three analysts covering you. Um, what's kind of been the, the, um, the communications right now with any kind of institutional entities? Are they looking? Are they sort of kicking the tires? I, I imagine you've got some institutional ownership already, um, but give us a sense of sort of what's the temperature out there with some of these institutions? Yeah, I think, you know, that's a very good question. Um, and, and your observation is correct that in smaller kind of companies, generally you don't have as many analysts interest and coverage. And we have three analysts covering us and, and, and a fourth from uh, Desjardins uh, Bank that also published a report about Wishpon and it was a very uh, elaborate and, and, and a fantastic report in terms of the depth of understanding of the business and the opportunity. And I think the reason that we are getting that interest and, um, and, and coverage from uh, these analysts is that they see where the business is heading and, mm -hmm. and, and, and is you know, something that they're getting comfortable with and they've got comfortable with and increasingly there will be more uh, that would want us to be in front of their clientele. And um, already we have uh, several institutional investors in the company. Uh, they've been very supportive of the company some of them in their own newsletters. Uh, they've talked about Wishbone and where we uh, fit in their investment thesis. Um, some of them are buying on the market from time to time. And uh, some of them, in some of the conversations that we have privately with them, there's, there's additional interest and support that we hear from them. So uh, I, I'm very happy and very, very thankful for the support that we got from our retail investors as well as institutional investors. And I think uh, that's probably to a large extent that you see a lot of growth companies uh, in the past few months uh, got hit a lot more than Wishbone did. I think to a large extent, actually, after our Q2 financials uh, on, after summertime, we started growing back in terms of stock price and, and uh, quite stable, even though the market has, uh, in broader terms wasn't as stable. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um listen we're sort of at the end here what we always like to do uh, with you guys is just give you an opportunity to sort of leave a parting message or a key takeaway what what um what do you want to make sure that everybody understands about wishbone today i think to some extent i've already talked about uh the the key points to think about wishbone but to me what is really important is that this is a company that believes in responsible growth aggressive but responsible growth we want to continue being adjusted EBITDA profitable while investing in growth and growing organically in aggressive ways, having acquisition opportunities to make that uh, acceleration happen as well. And again, look at the universe of opportunities that we have ahead of us, as well as our ability to reach them. And as well, uh, you know, in addition to that, our ability to serve them with the products that we have and the offerings that we have. So that is what uh, makes me excited about where we are. And, um, you know, if, if someone is interested in learning more about Wishbone and, um, you know, all of that, I, I would invite them to have a look at our investor uh, section of the website and learn more or reach out. Well, perfect. Uh, and just remind us the website address. What is the website address? Uh, Wishbone.com slash investor. 
or investors, <laughs> but uh, it's in the menu, investors in the menu. Wishpond.com and then you can find it from there. Perfect. Correct. Well, uh, listen, congratulations on a phenomenal year. Um, Thank uh, you. Not, not too many companies are growing at that kind of pace. Uh, you guys have managed a number of acquisitions. Again, that's a, that's a challenge uh, for any company, uh, let alone, you know, with one, let alone with four. Um, so congratulations on that. Um, Ali, it's, it's, it was great to, to get caught up. Um, great to understand where you guys are right now. Um, and so we've been speaking to Ali Taj Skander, um, CEO of Wishpond Technologies. Um, want to thank you again and look forward to catching up with you in the near future. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Ali.